sure it's on so that it is picking up for the recording, please. You should be able to see it. I don't even know which one it is. I think it's the one that was at the keyboard, purple cord. Praise God. If you're here, you can be seated. If you're at home and you're standing, you can be seated. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let me say that we will keep everybody updated regarding what we're going to do on Sunday. Please stay tuned to WhatsApp regarding that. Uh, we have to watch what's going on with all the smoke. I was getting ready to say smoke and mirrors. That's a different subject. Um, we need to watch everything that's going on with the smoke. We want to make sure it's a safe environment if we have everybody outdoors. And so please stay tuned. We will keep you posted. Um, if... If the Lord sees fit that the smoke precludes us from coming together, uh, then we will still have a 10 a.m. live broadcast. Uh, so know that. Either way, there will be service at 10 o'clock, whether it's here in person, outdoors, or whether it's strictly online. Uh, but please know, don't make other plans just because it's Labor Day weekend. Be in the house of God, whether physically or virtually. Amen? Amen. Praise God. If you're traveling this Labor Day weekend, we're praying for you. And I pray God keep his hand on you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I, I want to talk tonight about a subject that is as old as the garden. Uh, I want to talk about sin. Sin. The word sin in Scripture simply means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. To do wrong in some places where it's interpreted in the Greek or the Hebrew, it's to do wrong and miss the mark. Not to do right. The scripture teaches us to him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. If I know to do good and then I don't do it, that's sin. That means I missed the mark. We live in a time where we're talking about sin isn't popular. Well, talking about it's popular, but calling it sin isn't popular. Maybe that would be a better way to say it. We live in a time when addressing sin for what it is is definitely not popular because it's not politically correct. You may hurt somebody's feelings. You may, you may say something that is, you know, you're going to be labeled as this or labeled as that because you call sin, sin. I, I am afraid that we have... In our day and time, I'm afraid that we have come to a place where we have accepted sin. We've come to a place where we tolerate sin. We've come to a place where we justify sin. And I'm grieved by that because... Sin still has the same effect today that it had 
2,000 years ago. Sin still has the same effect today that it had six or 7,000 years ago in the garden when it caused man to be separated from God and cast out of the plan of God. Sin still destroys lives. Romans 6 and 23 is still true. The wages of sin is death. Sin still has the same price. And so I'm asking God by His great grace and by the love that He has for us to renew in us a deep fear of the Lord. A deep fear of the Lord. We've lost our fear of the Lord, which is why we tolerate sin. Because, you know, it starts what we do is we just tolerate it in someone else's life. We justify their actions, or maybe we don't justify them. We just go, well, you need to be accepting as though you can't accept an individual but reject sin. As though you can't. The world has painted this picture that if you disagree with my actions that are sin, then therefore you hate me. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's the twisting of the adversary that says just because I disagree with your actions means I hate you. You'll find this hard to believe, I know, but there's times where I disagree with my wife. She doesn't disagree with me, but I mean, I disagree. Well, that's probably not true. Ah, oh, so you believe there's times she disagrees with me. Disagreement doesn't mean we hate each other, but the world has painted a picture that disagreement equals hate. If you disagree with my sinful lifestyle and you say that, then you hate me. If you disagree with my sinful choice, then you hate me. If you disagree, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I love you. That's why I have to tell you your choice is sin according to the word of God. If you choose to violate the word of God, that's sin. If I didn't love you, I'd say who cares. Love doesn't accept sin. We become blind to sin. Some of this reason is because we have stopped being students of the Word of God. We've limited ourselves to just doing what a preacher says or doesn't say and looking for, is this okay? Can I do this? Can I not do this? Can I do this? Building rules rather than Letting the word of God, and we need a preacher. God's chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. But the word of God helps us to know what is sin. The word of God is how we discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so if I neglect the word of God, I neglect the very thing that can shine a light upon my heart and deal with me about areas in my life. The scripture says of Job, you've heard this before, he was a perfect man, upright. He feared God and he eschewed evil. Plain and simple, Job loved God and he hated sin. He loved God and he hated sin. And here's what's happened in our world today. 
And I fear it's crept into the church. We love God, but we don't hate sin. We love God and we accept sin. And somehow the world and, and church of the, has, the world has twisted the word of God that says, well, I love God, therefore it's okay. Just do what you want to do. God loves you anyway. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, God loves you anyway, but you're going to die and go to hell because of your sin. The wages of sin are death. I know that's not popular today, but we need an awakening in our spirit. We need a stripping away of the blindness of our mind. We need the spirit of God and the fear of God to grip our heart to understand sin still has the same consequences. Sin still has the same result. Sin left unchecked will destroy a life. I don't care how much I come to church. I don't care how much I give in the offering. I don't care how often I pray or read the word of God. If I don't deal with sin in my life, it will destroy my soul. I need a fresh awareness of sin. I need an awakening in my spirit to the consequences of sin. I need the love of God to shine in my heart and reveal to me any area of sin that I would accept or justify or tolerate. Otherwise, sin will destroy my soul and I will be lost for eternity. This is the result of sin. We need an awakening to the fact that sin still has the same consequences. Sin still does the same thing. Hear me, the adversary doesn't care if you sin a little or a lot. There is no degree of sin that is acceptable. And that's the lie we've fallen into. That's the trap we've started to believe. Well, my sin's not as bad as their sin. Please hear me tonight. We need the grace of God and a renewed fear of the Lord so that we will not accept justify sin in our lives we need this I'm not talking about walking around scared you understand I'm not talking about okay can I do this can I not do this I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God and the Word of God together Word and Spirit Influencing, leading, directing our lives, our choices, so that I do that which pleases Him. And when I do something that doesn't please Him, my spirit is arrested and I recognize, God, I missed the mark. Forgive me. I don't want sin in my life. I, want, I, want to miss, I don't want to miss the mark. We need a realization. We need blindness removed from our mind. The world needs blindness. Removed from their mind. We need the love of God to reach our world. But for this to truly happen, the church has got to be free from sin. We have to examine ourselves, the scripture says, whether you be in the way. What's he talking about? Am I walking in the way? Jesus Christ is the way 
the truth and the life. Am I in him? Am I in the way? Or am I justifying things, acknowledging things, and walking in my way, deceived into believing as long as I'm doing some good? Where did that lie come from that I could do enough good to be saved? I'm only saved by the washing of the blood of the Lamb, by the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the saving power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture talks of those who have their conscience seared like with a hot iron. What does that mean, conscience seared? It means they don't feel with their conscience anymore. Like if you've ever been burnt in a place you just don't have feeling maybe for quite a while in that place. And so I hit myself there when I was younger. I was racing a bike with some other guys. And we were racing up a hill and then around a, a circle like in a cul-de-sac. And it was asphalt. And I was going as fast as I could, pedaling even in the, in the curve, laid over. And when I pedaled, my pedal hit the ground so it threw my bike out from under me and I slid across the asphalt at full speed and it just took all the skin off my wrist where I was on my wrist. It took all the skin off. It just slid and cleaned it right off. So much so that literally I could see the sinew, like the, the muscle. I'm not trying to gross you out. I could see it here in my, on my wrist and it was pure white. Like pure white, like as white as this paper. It was, it was, it was the strength. I, I didn't scream or cry because I was, I was like, oh. It, it, it was just pure white. And then it turned pink. And then red and blood started coming out. And, but after that happened, and you can still see the mark on my wrist today, and that's been 30 some, 36 years ago, or close to that. You can still see the mark on my wrist today, but for a long time after that happened, I could tap that area and couldn't hardly feel anything. It's like the nerves had been seared when I slid across there. And the scripture talks about men that have their conscience. You understand the conscience that God has given us is how I know the difference between good and evil. Between right and wrong. Am I hitting the mark or missing the mark? And as a child of God filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God deals with my conscience. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God conscious, self conscious, world conscious. And so when I'm in tune with God and filled with the Spirit of God, my self conscious recognizes, hold on, I need to be tender in that place. But if I fellowship the world and the things of the world and I justify sin, here's what happens. I keep moving the mark. I keep moving the mark. Okay, this isn't acceptable. Well, maybe, maybe this isn't, but maybe this is. And we move the mark. And we move the mark. And we get as close as we can. And we move the mark. And then before we know it, we've crossed over. And now we're completely missing the mark. And what happens, my conscience... That that was sensitive to the Spirit of God. Where God could deal with me about direction I was taking. God could deal with me about an action that didn't please Him. And I would respond and I would stop. Now I, I do it before I realize what I've done. And later I sort of feel bad about it. And so I'll go and I'll cry and I'll weep and I'll repent. But I'll tell you how it progresses. Before long, I don't feel bad about it. Or maybe I feel bad, but I don't go cry and repent. I just think, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And then before long, I don't even call it sin anymore. Before long, I'm just like, you know, I think maybe like they were a little old-fashioned. You know, God loves everybody, and he, he wouldn't really destroy someone for sin, even though it violates his word. 
conscience becomes seared. I don't want a seared conscience. I want a tender heart and spirit so that when God deals with me, I want to I turn in repentance quickly. Pray with me for a moment. Would you do that right now? I pray in part, Father, a healthy, righteous fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I have what may sound like a silly question for you that are watching us here. How many of you would do things and you think, man, maybe I shouldn't do that? Anybody ever done something like that before? All of us, look at that, we're all human. How many of you would do something, even in your life today, but if you said, if, I'll just pick on myself, if I was sitting in the room with you, would you still do it? Now think about this. There's something in our human, and you can put somebody else in the room, it doesn't need to be me, I wasn't using me like I'm somebody, I'm just, you understand, there's things we'll do that we change what we do depending on who's present, right? That makes sense? You all know what I'm talking about, right? Look, I haven't always been 49 years old. I, when I was younger, and probably even still at this point, I have to check myself and go, would I do that? If, well, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, that's not a, I'm scared of God. Fear of the Lord is a reverence and a respect for his holiness, his righteousness, his blood that he shed for me, the price he paid for my life. And so when I have a fear of the Lord, I understand. Again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I'm God conscious. I'm, I'm aware that he's ever present, that God is here in this room right now, that God himself, the creator of all that is, is here in this atmosphere. I feel his spirit upon me right now. The presence of God. God is here in this room, in this place. And so when I have a recognition of consciousness of God, I now look at my actions and like, that. hold on, before I do this, God is present with me. reverence of the fact that he's with me so I act in fear reverence of the Lord just as I would act differently if someone else may be in the room when I have a healthy fear of the Lord my heart and my spirit act differently I need a renewal of the fear of the Lord our world needs the fear of church needs the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray there be an impartation, an impartation of godly fear.
not the fear that the world's perpetrating right now with news and media. I don't have any of that fear. I'm going to fear him. Godly reverence, his holiness, his righteousness, our God. I want to read, for those of you that were getting nervous because I hadn't read any scripture, quoted a little bit, but I want to read some now. You're probably going to say, okay, you can stop reading scripture now. Hebrews chapter number 3. Hebrews chapter number 3. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here. And uh, I'll try to read quickly. Uh, but follow along, please. When you're following along, please try to hear the word. Sometimes I'm guilty of reading and following along, and I just am seeing where I'm at in the book, and I'm not really hearing the words. God help us to hear. I'm going to start with verse number four. Hebrews chapter three and verse four. For every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? You understand now when he's talking about every man Builds his own house. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about this body. This body. You understand that? Christ as a son over his own house. His own body. Whose house are we? We are the body of Christ. Whose house are we? I lost my place. There we are. If, if, we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, I want you to notice here, verse 7. Wherefore, so he's talking about a house, us being the body of Christ, if we hold fast this confidence. Now he starts addressing some things. Verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. What's he talking about? So the writer of Hebrews is, is quoting the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 95, I believe. He's quoting the psalmist in Psalms chapter 95. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me. He's pointing back to the children of Israel in the wilderness. He's saying, don't do what they did. God was trying to build them a house. He had a promised land for them. But they hardened their hearts against the things God was trying to lead them into. Today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. What did this do to the Lord? Verse 10. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. And I said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. That sounds like sin to me. They err in their hearts. 
and they haven't known my way. Remember? Examine yourself whether you be in the way. They haven't known my way. Watch what he says. Wow, I'm seeing this come full circle all of a sudden. Verse 11. This is the Lord speaking. So I swear in my wrath. See, God was angry. They shall not enter into my rest. Sin will keep you from rest. Verse 12. Now he comes addressing the church again. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 13. But exhort one another daily. How often? Daily. Exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened. How are we hardened? Through the deceitfulness of sin. Now did you hear what the writer of Hebrews said? Harden not your hearts. He pointed back to the children of Israel and what happened to them in the wilderness. He said today, today if you'll hear the word of the Lord, don't harden your heart. We talked about a conscience seared with a hard, hot iron. A hard heart no longer receives the word of God. When my heart is when my heart is hard, it's hard to get those words in order. When my heart is hard, the word of God doesn't penetrate anymore. I resist it. I just it's like a callous place in my life. Don't harden your hearts, the writer is saying. Don't do what your forefathers did in the wilderness. Don't harden your hearts. And how does that happen? The deceitfulness of sin. I start believing the lies of the adversary. I start believing the lies of the world system. I start giving in to world consciousness. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, the Bible calls it sin. But, I, you know, that, that was back then. Times have changed. Please don't be deceived by sin and harden your heart. Please, I pray of us, let us not be deceived by sin. Give us an understanding let us not be deceived by sin. Why? Verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, verse 15, today, do you think the writer was trying to reach somebody? Today, I would to God I could proclaim this across these valleys. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Why? For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned? With whom was he grieved 40 years? With those that had sinned. Notice the result of their sin. Whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. They didn't enter into the promised land. They died in the wilderness. Of 
of Hebrews is reaching and saying, today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart like they did. Why was he appealing so many times, three times? He said, today, today, today. What was the urgency? The urgency is, if you walk away today, it becomes easier to keep a hard heart. Today, don't harden your heart. Hear his voice. I'm pleading with somebody in the Holy Ghost. Today, today, hear his voice. Today, let him tenderize your heart. Today, someone please, today, Find a place of the softening of the heart. A broken spirit and a contrite heart he will not despise. Today, somebody please, today. fell them that had sinned. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see, verse 19, that they could not enter in. Why? of unbelief. thought we were talking about sin. We are. What was their unbelief? They didn't believe the word of God. And because they didn't believe the word of God, they violated the word. Because had they believed, they would have walked in the fear of God. And they would have entered in. But their actions revealed their lack of belief. Verse, this was our examples. This should not be our path. These were examples for us. Chapter 4. Let us continue. You understand, man, put the chapters there. This is one letter, so we're continuing the letter. Verse 4. Let us therefore fear. He's talking about godly fear, the fear of the Lord. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us 
of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. This is what we've been talking about every Sunday for three weeks. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 5, for sake of time. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, verse 7, He limited the certain day, saying in David, David is the Psalms, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. The writer of Hebrews four times now has said today. Three times now he's referenced harden not your heart. You understand what the writer is saying in verse 7. He said, he points back that, hey, I'm quoting the psalmist. And he's saying, today, after so long a time. What does he mean by that? After the psalmist wrote this so long ago, here I am again saying to you the same thing. The writer of Hebrews is saying this. I'm saying to you the same thing he said so long ago because apparently some still haven't learned. Today, don't harden your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then he, would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. We quote this verse a lot, but now we see the context. For the word of God is quick, it's alive, and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, the Word of God can come to where we are. And so I don't want to not believe it. I don't want to dismiss it. The Word of God does this. It comes to where I am. Neither is there the continuation. Any creature that is not manifest in His sight. But all things. Everybody say all things. You at home say all things. All things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. What is the writer talking about? He's saying, hey, you 
can't hide sin from God. All things are open and naked before him. You may be fooling somebody else, but you can't fool God. God, give us your hatred for sin. In Jesus' name. You understand what the writer of Hebrews was declaring here. It's the exact same message that Stephen preached in Acts chapter 7. You understand that? In Acts chapter 7, Stephen preached of Moses and coming through the wilderness and how they hardened their hearts and they wouldn't hear the word of God. And, and, then, and finally, Stephen is dealing with the same spirit and the same attitude that the writer of Hebrews is trying to deal with to see people saved and rescued from their own way of thinking and their lack of belief of the word of God. And Stephen finally, he, something, the spirit of God rises up in him and he says, you stubborn and you stiff-necked people, you do always resist the word of God or the spirit of God. What was he saying? You stubborn and stiff-necked, you have hardened your heart. And now the Spirit of God is trying to reach to you. I've been talking to you for 47 verses. I know he didn't say that, but that's what he was declaring. I've been trying to, I went back to Moses to try to get you to see. I've been trying to open your mind to the Word of God and how the love of God has continued to reach to you and continued to appeal to you, but you've let your heart get hardened. You're stubborn and you're stiff-necked and you're not resisting me. You're resisting God is what Stephen told him. The word of God through Stephen cut so much to their heart. The Bible says they were cut to the heart. That's what the writer was talking about in Hebrews 4 and 12. The word of God cut to their heart. And rather than them responding to the word of God in brokenness, in humility, their heart stayed hard. And the Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth. They carried him out of the town and they stoned him to death. Their heart became so hard because of the deceitfulness of sin. Don't think for a moment you and I could play around and entertain sin and not fall into the same trap. I need a fresh God-given recognition of and hatred of sin. I don't want to miss the mark. Do you hear what the Apostle Paul was saying? Philippians chapter 3. I'm not going to turn there for time. But Philippians 3 verses 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul, we know this verse. But think about it. He said, this one thing I do. One thing, forgetting those things which are behind my old life, my life of sin. Forgetting those things which are behind, I, what does he do? I press, what is he pressing toward? He's pressing toward the mark. Sin is missing the mark. 
Apostle Paul said, this is what I'm doing. I'm forgetting what's behind me. And I'm just pressing towards the mark. Anything that would come into my life, sin, which is missing the mark. Uh-uh. I'm pressing toward the mark. This one thing I do, I press toward the mark of the prize. There's something that's awaiting me. There's a prize that's before me. There's something promised me. And so I can't entertain sin in my life. This one thing I do, I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 29. I realize I go in a little longer. I'm not apologizing. We need to hear the word of the Lord tonight. Proverbs 29. Verse number 1. Bear with me while I turn there. Someone, please. 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 Hear this word of the Lord. Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved Hardeneth his neck. Shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. These are not my words. This is the word of the Lord. I want to read it again. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. What is the wisest man who ever lived who penned these words under the inspiration of God saying in plain English? I think he got it, but I want to make sure we've all got it. He said, if the word of God comes to you to correct you, the word of instruction comes to reprove, you know it's sin. And the word of God comes the mercy of God is long-suffering. The word of God comes, but you just continue to harden your heart. Stiff-necked. Stephen said stiff-necked and uncircumcised. Harden your heart. Here's the deception of sin. I'll get it right someday. I'll change someday. I'll get it corrected. Someday. Did you hear what the word said? He that being often reproved hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. Suddenly. Play around with sin. You can think, uh, I'm young, or maybe I'm not young. I got time. And you may. But you're playing a game. It's far more serious than any game you've ever played in your life. It is a game of life. I'll never forget many years ago. 
friend. A friend that was filled with the Spirit of God that God used. He had sin in his life. Sin broke up his family. God still dealt with him, still loved him, still drew him. I watched him pray in the Holy Ghost. I, I watched him weep tears in an altar. I, I stood and talked with him, embraced him, sought to see restoration, thought there would be restoration in his life. So I'm trying to make moves back towards God. And saw the love of God surround him. Saw, what, saw anointing on his life through his life. But this place God would reach. I had some very strong conversations with him about it. I know others had conversations with him about it. He was very aware. But he, he just, I think he had it in his mind one day. One day. Good health, young, younger than I am now. Kids. One day, one night, got the phone call. The heart, they were frantic on the other end of the line. The heart. Can you come to the hospital quick, please? Please. Please, can you come now? I know it's late. I think it was right at midnight. I said, I'll come, I'll come. I'll, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. They told me, they called his name. It's, can you please come now? They think he's dead. Please come now. I said, I'm coming, I'm on my way right now. I hung up, I jumped in my car, I got there. I was in the room before the family even got there. He was dead. He was dead. My friend laying there, I remember. He died of a massive heart attack. Involved in the sin he'd been warned about. I remember his family saying, do you think it's possible that when he felt the heart attack, he could have asked God to forgive him before he breathed his last breath? I said, I think it's possible. I don't know. They were just wanting some hope. What happened? He had been often reproved, but he hardened his neck. And suddenly, he was destroyed. And there was no remedy. That's what the, that's what the writer of Proverbs is telling us. When I let sin continue, see, we need a fresh revelation of what sin does. When we have that, we'll stop accepting it. We'll stop tolerating it. We won't try to become self-righteous. We'll understand in the fear of God, I need His righteousness in my life. It's the only way. 
not trying to wear you out. We need to get this in our spirit tonight. James chapter 1. Verse 13. James 1 and 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed your own desires your own desires this is why we need to mortify the deeds of our body through the spirit because sin watch every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust or desires and enticed then when lust or his desires have conceived it brings forth sin and sin when it is finished what does it do? It brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. The writer of Hebrews said they err because of their unbelief. And finally, please go with me to the book of Romans. And I'll finish here tonight. Chapter 6. Thank you for your patience with me tonight. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. You should read 5 and 6 when you have time. I'm not doing that tonight for sake of time. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not or do you not know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Why? Why is our old man crucified with him? So that the body of sin might be destroyed. Why? That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign 
in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof, like James was talking about. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Thank you, Jesus. Sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants are you to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If you yield yourself to sin, you will die. But if you yield yourself in obedience to the word of God, you'll be righteous. His righteousness. I'm going to hurry with these last few verses. But God be thanked. Oh, I said that too early when I said thank you, Jesus. It was in my spirit. But God be thanked that you were. Everybody say were. were. Say were. That's past tense. You were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Those that are here, please stand with me. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, that's your self-will. Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. That's not a good freedom, by the way. What fruit had you? Then in those things whereof you are now ashamed. You hear Paul asking the church that question? He's saying, hey, when you were living in sin, that life that God brought you out of that you were ashamed of, tell me what fruit you had when you were living that old life. Talk to me about that fruit. Obviously, it's not fruit anybody's proud of. But he's asking that question. He said, for the end of those things is death. But now. Everybody say, but now. Yeah. Thank God for now. That sounds like today. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is Thank God the word doesn't stop there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, pray with me tonight before we go our way. Here in this room, the handful that's here, those that are tuned in, please pray with me right now. Today, harden not your heart. 
The Spirit of God is reaching to us. Not just in this moment, definitely in this moment, but He wants to change our thinking. We need a place of repentance. We need a place of repentance. True repentance. And an impartation of your Spirit, God. An impartation of a revelation and a hatred of sin and all of its elements. I pray for the heart that is hardened tonight. Let it be tenderized by the Word of God. Let it be tenderized by the Spirit of God. God, if there's a hardened heart, let us fall upon the rock and be broken. Lest that rock fall on us and grind us to powder. I pray to fall upon the rock. Give us an acute awareness of sin. Give us a sensitivity to your spirit and word and your love for us that has delivered us from sin, given us dominion over sin and victory in sin. I pray let us be a church. Let us be a people. Let us be a people that are separated from sin in holiness unto God that we bring forth the fruits of righteousness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Convict us. Renew in us, baptize us afresh with the fear of the Lord. It is your goodness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Continue talking to the Lord. We're not in a hurry. I'm going to end this live stream, but please don't just rush away. Wait on the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost release you. In Jesus' name. I love you. God bless you. Itara <laughs> <laughs>